Welcome to the Asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Yes, indeed. We are Flieger and Briggs, and welcome into the Asylum one more time. We're actually here two weeks in a row, which is uh, an amazing accomplishment. It's a big step up for us, Rick. No doubt about that. But, uh, no, great show coming to you this week. And uh, you can hear us on the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com. And uh, I tell you what, Rick, uh, starting to feel a little bit more like football. Hockey's still going strong. Our pens are still alive. But I'm starting to feel football. Uh, don't don't forget the NBA Finals coming up tomorrow, Rick. After a 40-day sabbatical, the yeah, big surprise. Now now hold on to your seat, Rick. The Cleveland Cavaliers are playing Golden State Warriors. In case you hadn't heard, you're going to want to really? check that out as huh. well. Well, I could have swore it was going to be the the Clippers and the Knicks. But uh, anyway, welcome back into the asylum again. Like I said, you can hear us on the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com. If you want to Five talk to different me, times a week. That's right. And if you want to talk to Mr. Briggs, because I just can't, at Asylum Football on Twitter. Well, let's face it, no one really wants to talk to you anyway. So. Well, that, that's fair. That's fair. Nobody's missing me, I guarantee you that. So a lot going on here. Going to do some sports headlines. Got a got a brand new game, Rick. Pick your poison, a brand Ooh, new game I here at the like Asylum. Going to discuss, you know, you, you mentioned – Getting back towards football season here, starting to get in the groove. I signed up for the first time. I don't know why. I was inspired by got we got our uh, Scott Fishbowl invitation last night. I haven't gotten night. in yet. I got signed up and got inspired. And you see everybody on Twitter doing those MFL tens. You know, that ten dollars to win a hundred, which blows my mind. People do two and three hundred of these a year, which is crazy. That seems like a lot of cash to lay out basically on a complete random nature on fantasy football, but whatever. I got inspired, signed up to do my own. I'm in the middle of my first draft right now, although it started at 9 a.m. and we're on, like, the seventh pick. So you know how those those things go over there. Guessing it'll heat up here this evening once everybody gets home from work. But found myself in this MFL 10 and also in the Scott Fishbowl picking second. So when we get to the fantasy portion of this show, Rick, I wanted to discuss a little bit where we're ranking those top three running backs. I think we can agree maybe that those three running backs are the first three picks. They are by ADP. They are in my mind. But we'll discuss all that coming up. But sure. let's start out, Rick, first news. We, we like to do hockey. or hockey. We'll get to hockey. We like to do golf when we can. This isn't really a golf story. But your boy Tiger Woods, Rick, down in Jupiter, Florida, stopped and arrested for DUI. Hadn't been drinking, though. Blew a 0.0. Yeah. Some crazy mix of pain medication. I don't know. There's not a lot to say about this. It's just, can you recall, Rick, a fall from grace like this man has had? It, it's it's really sad to me. It is sad. And, you know, I would really hope that, you know, he gets whatever, whatever help he needs to get back on track and to actually find, I don't know, I mean, for lack of a better term, his way. Because, I, I, let's face it, the spectacular career is over. Right. And... There's just not – there's nothing left in the tank. His body's broken down, and he's had too many surgeries, you know, hence, you know, mixing a prescription for the back, a prescription for the knees, a prescription for the shoulder, whatever it is, and not really knowing what the cocktail's going to do to you. And I guess he found out. But, you know, you hate to see something like this happen. And it, 
And I, th I think to me, it was probably, you know, it was probably harder on him than say a guy like Jack, because Jack kind of progressed down the line. I mean, he won two majors when he was 40. He won another one at 46. And I, fi mm -hmm. I think he finished like fifth at the Masters when he was like 58, 59 <laughs> years old. But with, with Tiger, boom, it was done. Yeah. Yeah. And just... he was floundering and, you know, he was just done. And I think it's been very hard on him. Yeah. You know, and the body broke down. And that's that's the sad part. You, know, you, you never excuse DUI, be it drugs or alcohol. I understand that. We're probably never going to know exactly what went down. Well, we know what went down, but how we yeah. got to this point, one of two things is going to happen. You're going to, he's going to go into rehab. You're going to find out he's addicted to prescription medication. And this day and age, that's not even news to me. You know what I mean? Remember when it was huge news when Brett Favre went into rehab years ago? I think it was a the year they won the Super Bowl. Was that 96 yeah, or whatever it was? Somewhere, yeah. And it was big news. Now, we know – athletes are prescribed these things and given these things at, at immense levels so we're and we know the surgeries he said i i honestly believe you can accidentally find yourself addicted to pain pills there's no doubt in my mind Especially i think we, when you are like you said coming off multiple surgeries and he's still trying to maintain that vigorous lifestyle you know trying to get his game back right you know practicing and he's always had that violent swing i mentioned this two three years ago right. that i didn't think he'd ever get it back because of that violence in his swing I, I don't think his body could take it but you know you start to well i'll take a couple more you know my yeah. back, back's a little sore from the work you know i know my body yeah exactly. that, that yeah one. But the other thing we may find out here, and I'm starting to believe in hearing the reports that have come out today about sort of his interaction with the police officers and just how out of it he was, yeah. you know, there was mention that he takes that Ambien. We may find out there's no necessary, necessarily a addiction to prescription pain pills. You hear stories of people getting in this Ambien and doing some wacky stuff. It's very well he quote unquote slept walk out to the car took off and next thing you know he woke up and had no clue where he was i don't think when this was initially reported it was a dui and they had the awful mug shot you know the nick nolte mug shot up there <laughs> just looking like hell did you see the story by the way i am jumping all over the story well it's not a story they haven't responded to it, but it's oh yes the doctor espn fixed yeah. his hair yeah they the did i shot. saw the comparison why, why are they doing this what do you what did I guess he's just a that? friend of the show. And, I guess uh, you know who knows. But just crazy. But I mean, it was reported just crucified. What's sad is, quite frankly, and I have sympathy for him. I, I really do. And you're not supposed to say that these days when somebody makes a small mistake like this, you're supposed to be outraged, and I'm supposed to set the house on fire and, and get on this these airwaves and eviscerate him. You know, this guy, I, I really, truly feel sorry for him. His body betrayed him. His personal life got out from underneath him. But this guy ushered in an entire generation of golf fans who would not have, including myself, who would not have watched golf were it not for Tiger Woods and what he did in the 90s and the early 2000s. And I just hate to see this. And I hope he gets it back together. I hope it was just ambient or if it's a prescription you know, addiction. I hope he gets it dealt with. I don't think we're ever going to see him on the golf course again, but I, I don't like a guy 
He's become such a punchline now, you forget just how transcendent and great he was not 15 years ago. And that's getting lost on an entire the generation following me and even on golf and sports fans now. He's become such a punchline. Everything he did, which was absolutely transcendent, is gone at this point. It's just gone. I hate to see it. Oh, I, I do too. And I just hope he doesn't go by, you know, the same path. And I don't mean you know, murder and all this, is an O.J. Simpson. People have no idea how great right. a football player O.J. Right. Simpson was. Yeah, my only sense of O.J. Simpson, even at my age, is the Naked Gun movies yeah. and the Bronco. That, right. That's everything I know <laughs> yeah. about O.J. Now, as a, as a football fan, you study the history, you see yeah. the NFL films, but I don't have the perspective that you do of an O.J. O.J. Simpson's a punchline to me. He's a right. funny B-movie yeah, actor I, and, a, and a murderer. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was... I was, uh, I think, high school. I don't know what year in high school, but I was in high school. I mean, the man broke 2,000 yards in 14 games. You know, and I mean, that was. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was phenomenal. And, I mean, that was something to see, too. Yeah, no doubt. Buffalo stunk. Well, yeah, <laughs> kind of still do to this point. So, Rick, I I bring this up. This this isn't earth-shattering news or anything, but I bring this up. I always like to know when I, I hear things where you're looking at the old way of doing things, I wonder how Rick Briggs feels about it. And <laughs> Modern, changing, yeah, ever-changing Rick Well, that, that's what you are. You yeah. are progressive, if nothing else. <laughs> but we don't talk a lot or any baseball on this show, and frankly, probably for good reason. So did you see? happen to see Bryce Harper the other day yeah. charge the mound? Yep. Was hit by a Hunter Strickland of the New York, or the New York Giants. Yeah. How about the San Francisco Giants? who was bitter that Harper hit two home runs and enjoyed yeah, them <laughs> in 2014. Yeah. In 2014. 97 miles an hour, that thing came in on the gun. Now, he didn't go for his head. I guess you can give Hunter a, a little bit of a pass there. But I'm sorry, right in the ribs at 97 is going to ruin the rest of your weekend. It's just no doubt about it. Harper charges one of those cheesy baseball brawls. So, <laughs> I, I Harper. I don't want to talk about the suspension. I don't want to talk about anything else. Let's t- maybe even take it away from this one a little bit. Everyone can agree that the, the hard, hardest core baseball purists can agree that holding a personal grudge has had nothing to do with the team, as evidenced by Buster Posey not leaving the back of the plate. Did you happen to see that? Oh yeah, his own catcher awesome. just stood there. Going, what in the hell is going on here? Now Hunter's got a history of concussions, and there's some thoughts that he's been instructed you don't get involved in this stuff. But in general, the unwritten rules of baseball, Rick, the bean ball all this nonsense where do you stand on it there's no there's no reason to stand on it any longer rick because you know they i was looking up since you know i'm you know going off in a different direction here was just curious the other night was pulling up i i pulled up stats uh from from pitchers baseball league leaders in innings pitched it's amazing. Oh, yeah. They, 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 I mean, it's a hundred innings difference. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. from 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. And and I don't want to hear, well, you know, they're, they're better athletes. Bob Gibson did that for 23 years. Right, exactly. You know, I mean, you know and, but anyway. And, and, yeah, hit a home run off Bob Gibson. I mean, you'll get brushed back. <laughs> okay. That was for sure. Okay, then let's look at it, Bob. It all, how, how do we feel about this? I, you know, it, it, it went from <clears> – <throat> It went from part of the game, kind of like um, I mean, they they take 
various facets of the game. And I don't mean headhunting. And, you know, you, you don't, I mean, I, I'm old enough to remember, and you probably don't even know the name, Tony Canigliero getting hit in the side of the yeah. head. Oh, yeah. Destroyed him. I mean, just, I mean the guy. I don't remember. I've read about it. I... He was the first, if not the only, player to have 100 home runs by 21. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it basically ended his career. Don't like to go there, but, you know, when you are – and let's face it, look at the pitchers nowadays. You have a two-and-a-half ERA, and, I mean, you are super ace. Oh, two-and-a-half. I mean, Hell, super you're, you're ace. You're a first-ballot Hall of Famer. <laughs> you're an all-star at right. 4.2 if you're in the American yeah, League. Exactly. I, it, I don't know. There, there are just so many facets of the game that, that really aren't there any longer. Yeah. The games are longer. If you if you brush a guy back, yeah, he charges the mound, or you get a warning, or this, that, and the other, and and, and it's kind of funny when I don't know. It's it's and, and I'm rambling because it's a tough question. I think they've taken the elements of the game away, which makes it more boring to me. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, the designated hitter, of course, it's old. It takes away strategy as far as I'm concerned. It does. You know, people think that, you know, they say, well, it's a good thing. You see more runs. But it takes away the strategy of the game. That's the pitcher's part of the lineup. I like a bunt. I like a sacrifice and, fly every now and again. Sure. You know, and, and I just think that there's so many little things. You know, and, and then they try to infuse the strategy into, well, He's at 96 pitches. He's gonna have to. He's gonna have to get concerned, you know, going into the fourth inning or something like that. You know, I mean, a guy ought to be able to pitch a ball game. Yeah. I mean, complete games are a rarity. So that's all the reasons you don't like baseball, and that's good, Rick. But you're gonna answer the damn question. What do you think of this retribution? What do you think of these unwritten rules? I'll jump in here. I like it. I think it's junk. Why? This, this, this stuff has to go. Well, well, okay. Let me stand back. Something like that, if, if 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 he was really mad from two years ago. Well, yeah, put him in prison as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, that's ridiculous. He's an idiot. Of course it is. Um, you know, the and I don't really necessarily think it's retribution. Like, you know, you bring up a guy like Bob Gibson or somebody like that, you know, if, if a guy is two for three out of him with a home run and a double, and he throws just something to think about. It just makes him a little antsy in there. Well, no, and, and that's the, that's the difference. Yeah. And, and what here's that's what I what find I'm interesting: about. not headhunting, no, by any stretch. You know, the, the big discussion is we had that whole deal with Baltimore and Toronto earlier in the season with the bat flip. Joey Batista, Jose Bautista, Joey Bats flipping the bat after home runs, and then the plunk, and then the next plunk, and it ke- it goes on. Yeah, the bat flip. I don't know. I'm. I've gotten to the point where every other sport in hockey, when somebody scores a goal, you got nine guys doing cartwheels down the ice, it looks like the damn ice capades. When a safety in the NFL makes a tackle following a 35-yard run, he gets up and pounds his chest and twists his arm over his head. In the NBA, somebody throws down a dunk wide open. He runs back beating his chest like King Kong the whole way to the other. This is what sports has become. This has become a look at me. And so for a long time, a long time, the old man shaking my cane telling you to get off my lawn said, I like this. We're taking this out. We're just going to be about the team. We're not going to show up our opponents. We're going to be respectful. But it's gotten to the point now 
where the pitcher's doing this is a look at me situation, sure. right? Oh, I so agree. the batter hits a home run. Whatever the pitcher determines is too long, he takes too long to get around the bases, or he takes a second to watch it go, or he looks at his own dugout and points and fist pumps, and this is now showing up the pitcher. So now the pitcher's got to show what a tough guy he is. And let's be honest, a major league pitcher throwing a baseball at another man, that's a weapon. Oh, yeah. That, that, that's a weapon. I agree. This stuff, we're, we're so conscious of – Head injuries. In the Strickland, again, he went yeah. in his hip, hit him in the ribs, I believe. Yeah, but still, 97-mile-an-hour Right, you break rib, you're going to kill yeah. somebody. I, I agree with you 100%. I, see, I miss when you talk about, like, the brushback as opposed to this, like retribution or headhunting. Totally different things oh, no. as far as I'm concerned. And I'm all for the brushback if you're a good enough pitcher to keep it under control because it does stick in your head, Rick, because I can tell you I was 12 years old, 12 years old. You still are. In, in, well, in a lot of ways. But I remember I was 12 years old. I remember this distinctly from literally. I remember the pitcher's name. The pitcher's name was Chris Monaco. He's out there warming up, and he was one of these rich kids. I didn't grow up in the richest of areas, so he's one of these rich kids. And his daddy's getting him all this, you know, his daddy was going to buy his way into the major leagues. I don't think he ever made it to high school. <laughs> but anyhow, so they're out warming up. I'm leading off that inning. And his dad's saying all this technical crap that his private pitching coach is saying. I can't even remember. Something about centers of gravity or some BS. So his dad's saying it, and I'm mocking his old man. And the first pitch, he put about a quarter inch off my nose with everything he had. At 12 years old, it was probably 45 miles an hour, but it sure as hell looked like it was coming yeah. fast. I remember it to this day. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that kind of stuff, that's perfectly fine. You, the inside of the plate has to be – the pitcher has to be allowed to work in there. And you get – I remember Jason Kendo, who played for the Pirates, who hung over the center of the plate right. with his elbow. That's fine. You can brush these guys. But this retribution, the major leagues has a problem. You know, we talk about these stupid millennials, and you bring up the games are taking too long and it's too slow. And, and for all of, the, all of that that goes into it, they have an image problem. This is the slow, boring old man's game. And then when the players are policing themselves to the point where anybody st demonstrates even the ability to have joy and success, you're going to be basically someone's going to attempt murder on you, which is what throwing a 99-mile-an-hour fastball at somebody's ear flap is, is attempted murder as far as I'm concerned. It's time. That time has passed. We've got to legislate this out of the game for safety concerns, number two, because it's just plain nonsense, because then it goes on for three years, as it does yeah. in this case, and to and, try and to bring them. That's how you bring the major leagues to a different level. I, you know, you don't want to. I don't want to turn it in the NFL with all the nonsense. But it, if a guy hits, turning into nonsense. But if a guy hits a home run, you know, I remember the iconic. You see it in all the the advertisements for the Pirates here here locally in Pittsburgh. And I remember the Barry Bonds home run, and he had that beautiful swing, and he threw both arms up, and he ran down to first base. He'd do that today. They'd have taken his head off. His career would have ended the next afternoon. That stuff's got to go. You've got to allow that stuff in the game. Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. I mean, look, a guy hit – look, the game's boring enough as it is. Right. If somebody hits a blast into the upper decks, let them celebrate. Simple as that. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're not going to – go out into the second base and sit down and, nah. and spin around in circles or whatever. 
trot around and raise your hand up. There yeah. ain't nothing Take a wrong second with that. to admire it. I got. I, I just have no issue with it. Right. All right, Rick, we got to get moving here. Yes. Stanley Cup final as we sit. We're just a couple hours away from game two. Game one, the single strangest, absolutely strangest games I have ever seen. Penguins win five to three on the strength of 12 shots. And I've watched, I've gone back and watched. I don't know where 11 and 12 came from still. I have 10 well, 12 in my head. was the empty netter. Okay. Well, there's a, they added a couple in there somewhere yeah. post game. We, we have the catfish on the ice. I don't know where you're going to go with it, Rick. The, the crazy offsides call. So much went on there. Good for hockey, bad for hockey, that game won. I think they're they're starting to dig themselves a hole in a way. Um, you know, it, it worked it worked against Pittsburgh in the in the one game. I even forget who it was against, if it was Otter or Washington, where they had the goal called back with a six or seven minute delay and they replay and, oh, that, and the, the other. goalie interference call. Right. Yeah. You know, and then you know now this one, this one here, they took one away from Nashville. It's bogus. As far as I, I agree, I'm a, I'm a Pittsburgh fan, and yeah, you look at the tape. He was offside. He was offsides, but you know what? It's a fast game, and that's right. what the refs are there for. And you know, I I'm I'm really getting tired of coaches' challenges yeah. and all this kind yeah. of nonsense as well. You know, even in the NFL, they have what? How many of them a half? Two? Well, they get three total. Three total, okay. If you get the first two right, you get the third. And okay. they got a ridiculous gotcha. rule. And, you know, you have TV timeouts consistently. There's more in each sport. Basketball games take forever. Oh I, I mean, it, it's – it's, and I understand it's a business. It's big money. And as fans, we'll never quit watching no, it's and that's so sit here that. and threaten, get it together. I, I'll, I'll watch every one of them. Oh, yeah. I watch the, I'll sit here and But complain. is it good or bad for hockey? I don't think there's anything that they can do that way that's good or bad. Hockey's almost destroyed itself by lack yeah. of a marketing plan. Yeah. And we talked about it last week with the thuggery every time they get on national TV. You know, what was allowed to happen to Sidney Crosby in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals. A, but quickly on this offside, on this replay deal. All right, it was offsides. We can argue it's ridiculous whether or not. Right now they're allowed to challenge it within the rule. Where the rule needs to change, if nothing else, is Nashville possessed the puck. Pittsburgh gained possession of the puck, turned it over before they could get out of the zone, and that's when Subban scored. I'm sorry, any offsides potential was wiped out once the defensive team possesses the puck. And I'm arguing this as a Penguins fan, and I'm telling you, Rick, I was standing on that couch over there, pelvic thrusting when they called that goal back because you knew it was going to change all the momentum. But when you have time to sit back and think about it, how stupid is that and how furious would I be if I was a Predators fan? You know, they had 30, 40 seconds of continuous possession. The Penguins took possession, failed to get it out of the zone, had about 15 more seconds of possession, scored, and we wipe it back on a call that happened 45 seconds prior that was literally a razor's edge, quite literally when you're talking about hockey skates. That's absurd. It's just stupid. I agree 100%. It, it made them look foolish. You know, in sympathy to the Nashville fans on that one, I mean, you know, I'm all for the Pens repeating, but I, I, 
they were totally outplayed yeah. in game one, yeah. and they literally stole that game. And uh, the catfish on the ice, Rick. How do you feel about somebody throwing a catfish on the ice at an NHL game? Hey, they're starting to try a tradition in Nashville. Why <laughs> oh, not, man? They oh. did, did the octopus in Detroit forever. I want to read you something, Rick, and I'm just going to leave it hang out there. Oh, you, you can choose to react to it or not. I don't care. I just This is something I saw that I thought, I wonder what Rick Briggs is going to say. if I, So I'm just going to read it as is, Rick. This is from Tracy Ryman, Executive Vice President of your favorite organization in the country, Rick. It's the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. <laughs> okay. And uh, Mr. or Ms. Ryman, I don't know, Tracy, who knows these days, uh, penned a letter to uh, David Morehouse, who, as you know, is the President and CEO of the Penguins. Okay. Dear Mr. Morehouse, I'm writing on behalf of People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals and our more than 6.5 million members and supporters worldwide, including thousands across Pennsylvania, many sports fans among them, which I question that. But anyhow, in response to reports that a catfish was thrown on the ice during game one of the Stanley Cup Finals and that the person responsible was immediately ejected and later charged, Thank you for taking swift action that will remind all sports fans that this offensive behavior won't be tolerated. Nothing crazy so far, right? This is a paragraph for Rick Briggs. Okay. Fish are sentient beings capable of feeling fear, pain, and stress. They are also highly social, forming bonds and grieving when community members are lost. No, no being, regardless of species or circumstance, should be forced to endure a cruel death or have their body desecrated in such a way. Thank you for acting in the animal's best interest. Sincerely yours, Tracy Ryman. I'm just going to let that hang, Rick. You do with it what you will. Well, uh, uh, while the sardines are crying for uh, <laughs> Sam that got ate by a tuna, uh, I'm going to read you something that I came Hold on, across. I think that's a show title right there. Show title, While the Sardines uh, Are Crying. <laughs> that's brilliant. Right? A village in Switzerland has voted to ban tourists from taking photos. The commune of Berglund slash Bravigan near St. Moritz decided to take the measure on Monday. But it's all to make people happier reports the local which must be the paper all right locals believe that their village is so beautiful that visitors pictures of it when uploaded to social media will make other people miserable <laughs> it is scientifically proven that beautiful holiday photos on social media make the viewer unhappy because they cannot be there themselves said a statement from the tourist office the village plans to implement a symbolic five Euro or five pound, I don't know what that sign is. Fine on those caught break, or maybe it's Frank. I don't know. Breaking Are there the still new Franks? rules. No, I think they use euros. Uh, I like Franks. Bring those back. Berglund Bravigan is beautiful, added the mayor, Pete Nicolay. We don't want to make people outside the community unhappy by sharing social media photos of our picturesque landscape. And we cordially invite you to visit Berglund to experience it for yourself. I am very pleased that the inhabitants of Berglund have the happiest of all people at heart. That makes me very <laughs> proud. All right. Now, <laughs> that, that was a cute... That's not 
smug. <laughs> well, number one, that was a cute explanation that millennials will dig, Rick. I'm attacking millennials all day today. They'll, they'll get that, right? Here's what they're saying. Listen, you fat Americans. Quit coming over here and turning everything we have into some stupid photo op on your iPad. Put your belly away, put the phone away, and look at something. You know, this is a fight I have with people to whom I'm related by married by marriage and people to whom I'm unrelated by being their son. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. At any holiday gather or anything you do, right? Everything we have to pose and have a photo op. You know, we I'd never do this because at the end of the day it's a hole in the ground, but these people in most of the world now would go to the Grand Canyon would never look at the Grand Canyon lest it be in the screen of your iPhone, right? <laughs> because right. everything has to be a damn photo op. Every Christmas, every birthday, folks to whom I'm related by married, I end up yelling at as they're yelling at the children to stop opening the presents, wait and look up here so we can see how excited you are. No, 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 now it's staged. <laughs> Put the damn phone away, look at them, and remember it. Because you're never going to look at these pictures again. But that's what they're saying. Look, fatty. Quit coming over here. So I'm going to try to discourage most of you. And there's something else I could say, but I'm just not going to, Rick. Good. Where they're going with this, we'll talk about it off the air. Because <laughs> in today's climate, I'm right 100%, but in today's climate, I can't say it. They're saying, put your phone away, shut up, walk around, look at this, and get out of our town. Because clearly <laughs> we are very uppity and we don't want you here. That's right. what they're saying, Rick. Yeah. So nothing on the PETA letter? That's really, really, the look on your no. face was priceless, <laughs> but this is an audio medium, so only I got to enjoy that. Maybe the few folks who know you that, that listen, that think they get you pretty well. Yeah, mm. I, I, it's... <laughs> we'll leave it there. Well, I mean, well, they're sentient. Yeah, I mean, and what is sentient? I don't even know what that means. Aware, you know, self-aware, uh, you know. That oh, would... They're a fish. They're a bottom-feeding fish. Well, let's not get down there, but let's talk fantasy football, Rick. Please. For all those folks who tuned in for the Please. Asylum Fantasy Sports Show, we're 30 minutes in and haven't discussed fantasy. So real simple, Rick. Like I mentioned, have the uh, second pick in the Scott Fish Bowl in that draft this year, as well as the MFL 10 I started this morning. I was kind of hoping that would wrap around. We could make a pick on air. Maybe maybe we'll get lucky here. I'll take a look when I'm done yapping and see, see if I'm coming up anytime soon. Do we pretty much agree, Rick, that probably the top three in most drafts are going to be David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott? Yes. What order do you have those guys in? I actually have them at David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, and Ezekiel Elliott. By, okay. by the slimmest of margins over Le'Veon Bell, only because, in, in, and look, David Johnson doesn't really have a huge history, obviously, but... You know, Le'Veon Bell tends to always miss time. Yeah, he's either going to get hurt or get high, and either one's going to be a problem. And, you know, on top of that, even so, even though he's missed games, you know, David Johnson, at least last year anyway, and I don't see, you know, the Arizona offense really floundering unless Carson Palmer just ages 20 years in the offseason. It could happen. He's getting about to that David point. Johnson still averaged more fantasy points per game than Le'Veon Bell in, right. you know, in, in the amount of, of games that they played. So, you know, slightly I put him over. I mean, if somebody said, oh, I like Bell better, fine. You know, who cares? Now, my issue was I have David Johnson clearing away the number one. 
I, I really do. I mean, you could make an argument for Le'Veon Bell, certainly. Oh, of course I, you could. Where my issue came in is sitting at number two in that MFL 10. I did, I'll, I'll say now, I'll put the end at the beginning. I took Le'Veon Bell. But I paused on it, Rick, and gave Ezekiel Elliott a whole lot of thought right there. That's where I started. David Johnson, I have him. Oh, I, have I don't want to say very close. I don't want to say well. clearly ahead of those two, but I have him plenty ahead. Le'Veon Bell, for all the reasons you mentioned, I mean, any day now we could find out he's suspended for the year or ten games, whatever right. his next level is, and it wouldn't surprise me. Number two, he just tends to miss three or four games a year. Although after the suspension last year, he didn't miss any time. He, he right. never, but he had the groin surgery in March, so exactly. we're dealing with that. Ezekiel Elliott, I just, it was closer to me than I thought. I ended up this MFL ten is a PPR format, so I figured that's where I value Bell a, a little bit higher. Right, there. that's the, why he's there in standard, obviously. But, but Ezekiel Elliott behind that offensive line. I do expect the Cowboys maybe to take a half a step back, even if it's not for the Cowboys, for the division they're playing right. in and the schedule they're going to play this year versus the one they played last year. But Ezekiel Elliott, he's reminded me of an Adrian Peterson when Adrian Peterson was Adrian Peterson, where you just wrote right down 120 yards. And now you're just waiting to see how much over that he can get and how many touchdowns he's going to score to see where he slots for the week. That was a really tough call for me. Ultimately, I went Bell on a PPR. If this was a standard, Rick, Elliott's probably number two ahead oh, of Le'Veon Bell for me. No doubt for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, total yards, they'll probably be close, you know, with the passing or whatever. But i tell you a stat that stuck out in my mind as well. Last year, David Johnson, 20 total touchdowns. Zeke, 16. Right. Bell had nine. Exactly. That's a big difference. And they're I mean, a passing team, and you get Martavis Bryant back again. Shady McCoy had 14 total touchdowns. And while we're touching on running backs, a guy I'm paying particular attention to just because, number one of the division, and number two, he's away from the only team he's ever had success at, so it's kind of a balancing act, is LeGarrette Blunt in Philadelphia. The guy rushed for 18 touchdowns last year. Not The casual fan doesn't know he led the league in rushing touchdowns last year. Right, right. You know, and, you know, I mean, this guy could turn into a workhorse, especially a beast down at the goal line with Philadelphia. Or he could turn into the right jerk he was when he was in Pittsburgh. We <laughs> right. talked about that a lot last week. I know, week but I'm keeping of, an eye on him. I'll yeah. tell you what. Yes, yeah, so, but I think, you know, heading into the Scott Fishbowl then here in a couple weeks when we start drafting that, and I have that second pick there, that's not a PPR league, right? I'm thinking right. Zeke Elliott may be over Le'Veon Bell unless the, whoever's at number one does something wacky and takes one of those guys at one, and then David Johnson falls to him. But I'm going to assume David Johnson's going to go one in a non-PPR format. I think I'm leaning Zeke there. I think he's safer anyhow. Well, the thing with the Scott Fishbowl with the two quarterback things, you, you're not guaranteed Aaron Rodgers won't go first well, <laughs> or something in, in that line. That, that's fair, too. I could live without the whole 2QB thing, quite frankly. Love what Scott does over there. And and that's that that's the way in these big whatever he does he does that's fine. With well, me. no, it's, it's, it's not about tournament. that. I'm just yeah. saying in general, right. oh, I, yeah. I don't care for the two QB thing. I, and that's going to really be a don't. topic on on a future show too. Uh, Is it? I'm, well, not two quarterbacks, but the true value of quarterbacks. I I really think uh, we're going to hit on that hard this year. Yeah, and it just and, um, it depends on it, it. It's it's striking. 
I've done some research. I'm going to do a little Ooh. more. I mean, it, it's it's You amazing. have, like, long-term research going on. This is very, very unlike you, my friend. Very unlike you. <sighs> That's not true. I have to say it's not true. I research a lot. I just forget it. <laughs> okay, okay, that I believe. <laughs> I can believe all the work is being done, and then you leave to come down here sans pants because you yeah. forgot those as well. Okay, I get it. Never mind. I'll back off. All right. All right, Rick. Well, we have wasted enough time. Everybody is on the edge of their seats for a brand new game here at the Asylum, Rick. I hope I, if you're going to play theme music, I, re I hope you don't disappoint well, me because I've, I've already been thinking. No, of no. It's going to be a disappointment because there's no theme music. I simply have oh. this. That's all it is. Pick your poison, fella. That's See, all it is. You know, I was really looking forward to, like, Vincent Price or something like that or, or something spooky, you know. Who's Vincent Price? Oh, God. Don't, we're not, we can't go there in 2017. Who's Vincent Price? Real quick. Look it up. You have to look it up. No, I'm I mean, not going to do that. Well, then you'll never know. Right, I'm not telling you. Pick your poison. Pick your poison, Okay, Rick. let's pick my poison. Here we go. And anybody listening uh, to the show that, that feels sorry for Flieger's ignorance, go ahead and uh, send us an email at uh, asylumfootball at gmail.com or at asylumfootball on Twitter. So you're saying – Tell them who Vincent Price is because I'm not going to. Yeah, Everybody know, everybody me who knows who Vincent Price is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, except maybe, you know, the PETA lady. <laughs> I bet – Bet she knows. Vincent Price is probably in Pete. Pick your poison. All right, I'm sorry. Okay. All right, the producer wants us to move on here. All right, Rick. Pick Which isn't Pedro because he's no, an interpreter. Alejandro Hermosa <laughs> still a no show. So yeah. if you live in the Butler, West Sunbury, Slippery Rock, Grove City area of Western Pennsylvania, and you want to work for free and bring us beer, you are welcome. Yeah. Shoot us an email, asylumfootball@gmail.com. You will be the next producer of the Asylum <laughs> exactly. Fantasy Sports Show. So let us know. Those are our terms. No pay, and you bring the beer. All right. Good, All right. Good beer, too. Oh, no. I'll drink the swill. Yeah, I don't not care. me. All right, Rick. Pick your poison. Okay. The top three running backs are gone. Okay. The top wide receivers are gone, Rick. And I have the top wide receivers as Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, and Mike Evans. So those wide receivers okay. are gone. Your three top wide receivers are gone. Who's the next running back off the board? And I'm Ooh, struggling with this. The next running back? Let me give you some names. Let's I'll tell you what. I don't think you have to give me any names. Okay. I'll be honest with you. I think for my money, if I'm taking the next running back, it's going to be Shady. Okay. And... I like Devontae Freeman, but I don't think he's going to have as much action or success this year as you hang yourself trying to move with wires. And I'm still intrigued with Melvin Gordon because I think San Diego is going to be improved, and I think he's going to be a goal line machine. But I think if I'm taking a running back at that, it's got to be Shady. Yeah, I mean, by ADP, you're looking at Shady, Gordon, Freeman, Jordan Howard, Murray – now, the next guy on the ADP, Rick, and I swear I'm not saying this just for show shtick. I quite honestly mean this. I quite honestly believe it. Who intrigues me at that spot is our boy, Ajayi, friend of the asylum. I am all in on Ajayi, Ajayi <laughs> this season. You know, I worry about McCoy. He's just never healthy. He's in a bad offense. 
You Freeman, you and got he the had Coleman. 1,267 yards, no, Rick, 13 touchdowns Rick, I, I, rushing last no, year. No, I'm not arguing against it. I just say he makes me nervous. But if I'm looking for upside, and I don't, probably shouldn't be looking for upside in the first round, right? You know, so we're looking if those guys are going one, two, three, four, five. So you're looking about the ninth, tenth pick somewhere in there, right? Right. If, if you're not not leading towards towards wide receivers at that spot. You know, Melvin Gordon, love what he did last year, especially early on with the touchdowns. But he was so touchdown dependent. I always get a little nervous about that, especially when I'm looking at a first-round running back. Freeman, he got the Coleman situation. It's hard to argue against with Devontae. You can't argue against any of these guys. Jordan Howard, all right, I saw half a season of it. Am I going to spend a first-round pick on it? Maybe at the turn I'd love a Jordan Howard. You know, DeMarco Murray loved what he did, but is Derrick Henry going to start? He hasn't showed any inclination to take in any more of that work, but it just makes me nervous. You know, your boy, Rick. Ajayi. Something intriguing about him. Reels off back-to-back 200 games. It, it stretches look just absolutely unstoppable. I might lean that way at the end of the first round. I know he's got a middle second round, even late second round ADP. I might jump ahead and jump him ahead of all those guys. McCoy would be the best argument you could make for me, to me. But beyond that, I feel better or as good about Ajayi than any of those other guys. And so then I'm, that's where I might go after the upside in the first round. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're talking PPR. I mean, that's just what we – generally do when when we you know analyze this kind of stuff shady mccoy had 50 catches last year ije had 27 right that just makes mccoy to me more attractive because of his versatility i know what i have with shady mccoy he's a proven commodity am i concerned you know with his health of course i am but i mean what running back aren't you anymore you're right and you know, Melvin Gordon, would you quit banging stuff? Melvin Gordon, I, I understand on. 100%. I like Melvin Gordon. I think San Diego, San Diego, Los Angeles. Well, we're going to do that all year for yeah. about three seasons. There's still That's San Diego happen. Chargers right. until I get used to it. But I, I think the Chargers are going to be an improved team. But is that going to really help him or hinder him? May hurt him. Get Keenan Allen back, or does Danny Woodhead leave and help them? It's hard to say what they're going to be. He was hurt anyway, so, I mean, that's the thing. True. You don't really know. DeMarco Murray's interesting. Tennessee, I think, is going to be a much better team. Tennessee's going to win that division this year. They're very possible. I still think for my money, I mean, you can make arguments for these guys. You know, I brought up LeGarrette Blunt. If you see what you like, what you see going through training camp, you can make a case for him as him being, you know, a beast in the red zone. I still think Sean McCoy is the best value if I'm going to go running back at that pick. Probably. It's close. But I'll tell you this. Let's say I'll grant you LaShawn McCoy. I'm, a, I'm going to take your boy Ajayi. over everybody else in that list I, I gave you, Rick. I, I am over Freeman, over over Gordon, over who all was on that list that we were looking at, Jordan Howard, DeMarco Murray. I'm going to take him over all those guys. I, I truly am. McCoy is where I'll take some pause. So if I'm picking 10 and 9 took McCoy, I think that's Ajayi territory if I'm not looking at the at the wide receiver position. Yeah, I mean, Devontae Freeman is not as attractive to me this year. I mean, with, with uh, you know, the emergence of Tevin Coleman, they really started liking to split the job. So, you know. He's not nearly as valuable to me. 
All right. I mean, not that I'm going to avoid him, no, but no. not at that point. Yeah, I, I don't know. He's not a first-rounder for me. Maybe at the turn. I'm, I'm always willing to, to take a little risk at the turn if I find myself down there. All right, Rick, I already know the answer to this one coming from you, but it's probably worth the discussion. Uh, coming off all the injuries, Gronk has a mid-second round ADP, which is much better than the first round ADP he's had throughout the, the last several years. Do you prefer him there? Or, and this is a pick one, pick your poison, okay. Rick, a Travis Kelsey, who has a late third-round ADP, a Jordan Reed, who has an early fourth-round ADP, or, and here's here we go, or Greg Olson, who has an end-of-the-fourth-round ADP. Jordan Reed, beginning of the fourth. I, I think oh, that's surprising. I thought you were going to go Olson, but, yeah, I'm with you 100%. Uh, Normally, I would. After what I saw with Carolina, unless they can bounce back after that debacle last year, I mean, we saw Olson thought he was setting records at the beginning of the year. He faded away to a mediocre tight end, right, in the middle towards the latter part of the season. I mean, Carolina was horrible. I tend to think they're going to be a little better. But you wonder, but, they lose Ted Ginn, Kelvin Benjamin. Now, there's a long ways to go to the season, but I don't know if you saw this, Rick. He showed up at OTAs looking like me in his football uniform. Yeah. He's a big, giant fatty now. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's an issue. That's a concern. Well, yeah, I mean, it's screaming. You know, and Cam Newton, I'm not I, – I can't believe in Cam Newton. But he wears awesome hats, Rick. Until – until he takes that team on his shoulders, mentally. Right. And he can do it physically. We've seen that. Yeah. I don't think but he's that guy, that team leader guy. I don't think too that Too many times when things are going bad, he starts crying. And that's and what's going to separate him from the top tier. I right. agree with you 100%. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, Greg Olson, yeah, I'm, if I need a tight end, he, I'm certainly going to take him. But, um, yeah, it – that scenario, the poison I'm picking is Jordan Reed yeah. at the beginning of the fourth. I'm surprised by the early third round ADP on Kelsey in, that he's right now, even though it's you know a difference of seven or eight picks on ADP, but ahead of a Jordan Reed. I guess you have the Jordan Reed concussion concerns, obviously. And well, he, Kelsey he had, was a leading scorer last year, right? Right. So, so, but it does surprise me a little bit. I'm just never going to pay the price on Gronk, Rick. I'm never going to do it until he falls in that fourth round. Fourth round, quite frankly, and that's why I fall in lockstep with you in terms of Reed or if, even if we were considering Olsen, which I agree with you, we, we aren't necessarily. Fourth round's the first place I'm willing to look at it, right? Because yeah. I've got either two stud RBs and a wide receiver or one and, one and two the other way. Right. I'm not looking at that tight end. I don't trust Gronk with his health now. Yeah, I think if he stays healthy, look, we know what he can do. But you're drafting Gronk then as a number one wide receiver is what you're doing. And I'd rather have a number one wide oh, receiver than a tight end. And even the even the tight ends that you mentioned, where they're located, if I miss out on them, I mean, you're still talking Kyle Rudolph wasn't mentioned, Jimmy Graham, Delaney Walker, Martellus Bennett in Green Bay hasn't been mentioned. You know, there's still a lot. Believe it or not, there's quite a bit of depth at tight end right. now. yeah. Uh, you know, and it kind of comes six years ago. Right, it, it was, was like it was Gronk. Gronk and Graham. Yeah, that was pretty much. And Greg Olson just on the outside of that. Right, and and it seems like if Gronk stays healthy, he's on a tier by himself. If if Reed stays, actually that's not true. If Reed stays healthy, Gronk and Reed are on that tier. We we can talk about Kelsey, whatever. 
where where you want to slot him. Let's leave him sort of out in limbo on his own. Then everybody else, that group you mentioned, along with Greg Olson, is sort of wadded together, but have such variance in ADPs. To your point, you're better off if you don't pull the trigger in that fourth round on a Jordan Reed or on a Kelsey. You're better off waiting, and there's just that just that tangled mess at seven, eight, nine tight ends. Right. But what's interesting is is they're not bunched up in ADP. They continue to be spread out, and I think they're pretty even across the board after that. I agree. All right, Rick, here we go. Quarterback question, and this is good now that I hear about all this research you're doing in the background. Pick your poison, Rick. Aaron Rodgers still carrying an ADP of 3.01, which is pretty much where he ran all year last year as well. That's where people get comfortable taking that top quarterback. Right. But you can have Derek Carr, Rick, at 6'11", pretty much a seventh-round ADP. Rick, Aaron Rodgers at 3-1 or Derek Carr at 6'11"? Pick your poison. Carr, 6'11". All day. And I'll tell you what, though. I mean, it was going to be very, very few quarterbacks that probably would have had me take that. I mean, you look at what Aaron Rodgers did last year. Granted, he he had the forty four hundred yards passing, but he had forty what eight hundred total yards, and he had forty four total touchdowns. Right, that is massive, man. And remember, and, we spent most of the middle of the year complaining about how he disappeared too. Yeah, I mean, how stupid are we? But uh, pretty stupid, especially you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It seems to me you're the one whining about it. Because Probably you had whoever. <laughs> I don't know. Of course, I had Blake Bortles for a while. Yeah, but, that was uh, your boy there. But I, Derek Carr, I mean, I think Oakland is doing all the right things. I mean, they got beast mode. You know, they're, they're beefing up that offense. I mean, they've just got a ton of weapons. And, yeah, I think Derek Carr is 6'11". I think it's a steal. I'm with you. I, I, can't, I don't even have anything to add to it. I mean, I think, I think Derek Carr probably slots in behind Rodgers and Tom Brady. He's going to be somewhere in three to five, and you can have him – you know, full four rounds later, basically. Right. So that's a dude I'm going to be targeting. He ain't going to get to 6'11". He'll probably be 5'11 <laughs> yeah. for me, and you'll probably take him at 5'10", and which is the way our drafts go. All right, Richard, pick your poison. Michael Thomas, and we talked about that a lot last week with uh, Brandon, Brandon Cooks right. pulling up stakes and heading to New England. Michael Thomas carrying a 2.01 ADP, the first pick of the second round right there at the turn. Do you like Michael Thomas there? Do you like a second? Okay, let's let's do it this way. Michael Thomas at 2.01 or a second-tier running back there and then somebody the likes of, based on ADP, Demarius Thomas, Jarvis Landry, Devontae Adams, Terrell Pryor at the end of the third. It's kind of an arbitrary question because second-tier running back is... Let's go back to that other list we had, right? Because we're at the... Well, no, we're at the end of the second round. A lot of those guys are going to be gone. Right. But, yeah, so whoever, whoever's after Lamar Miller in your mind, I think, you know, up to Lamar Miller is your first and second round running backs. Boy, I... The point of this question, without delving too deep in it, is Michael Thomas worthy of 201? Are you that comfortable with him? I love the kid. I don't know if I'm there. I don't think so. I don't know if I'm there. Was, you know, was Joe Horn ever 201? No. You know what I'm saying? Was, yeah, pick another one. 
you know, from New Orleans over the last few years. Your boy Marquise Colston yeah, is the Marquise name you're blanking Colson, on. Yeah, it, they're just they're never. New Orleans is never two o one. No, no. It, you know, I mean, Drew Brees is the only saint that you could justify taking early. I think. Right. I mean, that early. Yeah. And because he's the guy that racks up the points. He spreads it around to everybody else. Yeah, and and so actually we misspoke. So at 2.01, I can let Michael Thomas go, right? I would. I let him go. And these guys, okay, say some I'm... of these guys, some of these McCoy, Gordon, Freeman, Howard, Murray, Ajayi, Gurley's are going to be there at 2.01. Right, so right. so I get one of those guys. I get AJ Green, and then based on ADP, if I can come back and have a Terrell Pryor or Jarvis Landry at the end of that, at the beginning of the, th- I'll take it. The beginning of the end of the third is what it would be. I'll take that in a second. At end of the third, Jarvis Landry, ninety-four catches, over eleven hundred yards. Yeah, people all, hate him all day long. People hate him because he doesn't score fifteen touchdowns, and right. I understand that. But until Miami gets it rolling where Tannehill starts throwing touchdown passes, I still take him as a WR2 all day long. Right, exactly. So if I was able to score an A.J. Green or who's right after him in ADP, Rick, who's at the end of that first first tier or first round of receivers? So you get rid of right after A.J. Green, you're probably looking at who? Okay, who's who's you got Brown, you have Evans, you got Beckham, you got what Jordy Nelson, mm-hmm. Julio. Jones. Jordy Nelson's going to be there at two hundred one. Give me Jordy Nelson. Oh God, yeah. Give me Jordy Nelson. Ajayi. Doug Baldwin. Um, you know, do you go with a, a, a Crabtree or Amari Cooper? Maybe. Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, well, you know, Fitzgerald will fall to the seven, so you don't want to jump up and take him. <laughs> well, there. I know. But you think about it, if you're at that turn, you give me Jordy Nelson, Ajayi, and I come back in the third and get Terrell Pryor, I'm not going to miss Michael Thomas one bit, and not, I'm not going to have near the risk. Not, no, you're now, right. the reward's there. The upside's there for Thomas. You take Cooks out of the mix. Maybe this would be the time because there's nobody you ever heard of other than Willie Sneed catching passes. You know what, Ted Ginn's there, but we know what he's going to do, right? <laughs> Every now and again, he's going to catch a long touchdown pass after he drops the previous three. Thomas could go nuts, but there's risk there. And if I could go Jordy Nelson slash – I don't think A.J. Green's going to fall to the turn, but Jordy Nelson will. If I could go Jordy Nelson, Ajayi, Terrell Pryor in order, somebody else can have Michael Thomas. Yeah, I mean, it's just – there's just something about Thomas. You're going to get good production through the course of the year. Right. You're going to get magnificent production in certain games. Right. But I, I'll run by this. This is full-point PPR scoring now. Michael Thomas last year, um, 11, 9, 20, 14, 18, 26, 12, 24, 4, 11, 34, 8, um, he missed a game, 18, and 16. Right. I mean, you're all over the yeah. place. And as a Michael Thomas owner, I felt that pain. A lot of that's on Brandon Cooks because they had the two studs. And I bet you if you look, the opposite of Thomas's poor games were, were Brandon Cooks having big games. But don't you see where a, a Willie Sneed could jump up and take Brandon oh, Cooks's place? Certainly. Very well. And you could see the same. Right. You could see the same production there. All right, Rick, let's uh, let's jump around here because we are almost out of time. Time flies when you're having fun. Rick, pick your poison. Can we agree before I ask this question that Christian McCaffrey is a 
Danny Woodhead 2.0. Yeah. Okay. Close, anyhow. McCaffrey, if would all things being equal, if they were the same age, same experience, I think they're the same type of back, right? So looking at ADPs, this stuck out to me. Now, Danny Woodhead missed most of the season last year. He's in a new situation there in Baltimore. Pick your poison, Rick. Christian McCaffrey at 409, which stunned me. But Christian McCaffrey at 409, or the old standby Danny Woodhead at 708. You know, I'll be real honest with you. I don't really want McCaffrey at 409, was it? And I don't really want Danny Woodhead. I, that I seems think, high for both of them, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And I think it's about the end of the line for Danny Woodhead. I could be wrong. I mean, you see some of these guys that tend to just keep trucking, but he's been starting to really get busted up the last few years. And, and I'm a little dubious on Danny Woodhead, but I think – in that scenario, picking the poison, I think I'd go with Woodhead. Yeah, I, I think I would. Four, four, nine, but end of the fourth, top of the yeah, fifth James round. James Stewart's still there, or John, John Stewart's yeah, still there. It's just way too early. We know their running game is still Cam Newton, first, second, and fourth, right? You know, it, it makes me now McCaffrey. If they use him right, he could very well be Danny Woodhead when Danny Woodhead was really. Dan- but what made Danny Woodhead so great is you got him in the seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth round, right? You didn't have to pay that fourth round price for it. Well, yeah, he was a plug-and-play. Right, exactly. And you had him on your bench, and you could plug him in, and if he got hot, you could start him a few weeks. So I'm going to agree with you. I don't either like Woodhead that early coming off the injury. Don't know what the situation's going to be like in Baltimore. But I'll tell you what, McCaffrey at the end of the fourth, I can't pull the trigger there. I won't do it. And it's just not in the Carolina game plan. Look, Jonathan Stewart was was – you know, everybody was jumping on him a couple years ago. And they were jumping on him last year after the magnificent year, which I wrote in the in the draft guide at the beginning of last year. He didn't even hit 1,000 yards rushing. Right. He didn't hit 900 yards. He didn't even hit 850 yards rushing last year. He had nine rushing touchdowns, which is fine, but he had eight receptions. Right. All right? Cam Newton doesn't throw the ball around to running backs much. Not usually. Maybe I, he will with McCaffrey, but I'm going to have to see it first. It's going to have to be a real transformation of the offense. Right, and to pay a fourth-round price, that's, exactly. that's awful expensive to take that risk. All right, last one, Rick. We'll get out of here on this. This one I find intriguing. Pick your poison. We have a lot of brand-new number one wide receivers on their teams and on bad teams, and they all seem to be very close to each other currently in average draft position. Okay. So pick your poison here, Rick. Eric Decker at 809. He's the number one option there in the Jets right. with Brandon Marshall moving on. Corey Coleman there in Cleveland at 811. Showed some flashes beginning of the year. Couldn't stay healthy. Couldn't stay on the field. Had a terrible quarterback situation. Pierre Garçon heads out to San Francisco, Rick. He can be had at 907. Or Cameron Meredith at 9.03 with no quarterback on an awful team. Pick your poison there, Rick. Number one wide receivers on bad teams. Cameron Meredith at 9.03. He's intriguing to me. He's he's the deepest one and with the most potential. And, and I can't wait. We're going to try next week to get Rilio Master Antonio on, on the show. And uh, I believe they are – you know, the agents uh, responsible for Mr. Meredith. And, um, you know, I kind of like to see what's going on with him, but I think there's just so much potential with him as opposed to 
these other guys. Like Cleveland. I, do, you, do you trust anybody in Cleveland? I love Coleman. Mm-hmm. Terrell Pryor had a nice year. Josh Gordon before right. that. They, they've been able to produce right. some, some number one wide receivers, some upper tier, I guess, wide receivers, we, we should say. But, no, I don't want to trust him. Decker's the one that's intriguing to me. You, you write him off, and he just puts up numbers. But, boy, you take Brandon Marshall away and you're looking at the prospects of what, Christian Hackenberg is the star. We still don't know who's going to be the number one quarterback there in New York. He's That's scary, scary, and he's coming off an injury-plagued season, and he, he's he's not a young man anymore. Right. I think it probably is Meredith. Pierre Garçon you know, out there in San Francisco. He's probably second. Probably. In, in my mind. I mean, he's really – he hasn't really taken a, a huge beating over the years in Washington, and he's always been fairly dependent with great hands, not a real flashy guy, but he's always there. And I, I would probably go with him second. I think Decker would be the last one because he was the earliest one. Yeah, yeah, and a full round ahead of those other right. guys, and there's just so many question marks there. All right, Rick, well, we have run out of time. Thanks so much to everyone who joined us this week. We'll be back next week right here on the Arena Sports Network, arenasportsnet.com. You can find us, at or Rick, anyhow, at Asylum Football on Twitter. Uh, if you want to be a producer or want a question answered or anything you want to do, asylumfootball at gmail.com. AsylumFantasySports.com. Is that all the plugs? I don't I know. Think There's too damn enough. many of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Arena Sports Network. Make sure you tune into that. Yeah, you listen. can hear the Asylum. Absolutely. Let's go, Pens. Until next time, we'll see you. Take care.